0: Everyone, welcome to another episode of What the Dev. My name is Jenna Sargent, and I'm one of the social media and online editors for SD Times. This year, Java is celebrating a special milestone, its 25th anniversary. Because of that, we're going to be taking a look back on these past 25 years and see how Java has evolved over time. It first started out at Sun Microsystems, which was, of course, eventually acquired by Oracle. To give us a look at Java's evolution, I'm talking to Rich Sharples, who is the Senior Director of Product Management at Red Hat. Rich, what sort of factors contributed to Java's success early on, and how did those elements contribute to it remaining one of the most popular languages to this day?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, as with all successful technologies, there's a a huge chunk of luck in in timing, uh, and that's certainly true for for Java. It kind of emerged just as the uh, old dot-com boom was starting, so it really did um, take off, as the web was growing, it was a yeah. It's it, it, it's a very well designed language um, compared to you think 25 years ago compared to uh, C plus plus and C um, certainly a lot safer, a lot easier to read as a language. And we always got to remember that um, computer software code is 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 read more than it's written. So having a kind of legibility is super important for. Yeah, kind of long term maintenance. Um, so, you know, it was obviously modern language, you know, object oriented, um, was built with a network in mind. So, had kind of you know, native uh, primitives for, um, for you know, the emerging internet protocols, HTTP, uh, which was super useful. Uh, it's, um, so, you yeah, know, I, I think from a developer point of view, they were the things that really kind of, um, um, you know, made it interesting i think what commercially uh you know, made it enduring were you know probably in no particular order was this uh, very very strong compatibility guarantee you, know, you you can still take code that you may have written for jdk you know 1.2 uh 17 years ago or whatever and in all likelihood it will run on the latest version of java Uh, And that's pretty impressive. So there's always a very, very strong, um, yeah, kind of forward compatibility um, design goal to ensure that whatever code you've written, it would keep running um, irrespective of which version of the JDK you use. So again, super important for for, for enterprise use, commercial software. Um, So compatibility, portability, obviously, you know, the the whole originally write, write once, run anywhere or run many places. I think it was watered down to super important. Um, that also allowed a whole kind of ecosystem of commercial vendors to uh, come into being as well. So uh, along with the, the kind of open licensing and the open standard around Java, you could have um, multiple vendors providing a Java implementation and they all work the same way. Um, they could run on different hardware, uh, different operating systems, and and work in the same way. You didn't have to modify code for a particular um, you know chip architecture or or operating system. So that's pretty good. Um, the openness I just mentioned. You yeah, this it was uh, originally licensed in a fairly open manner. It was developed in a fairly open manner um, as, a, as a kind of standard. And more recently, in the last you know, ten years, um, it moved to open source as well. So it kind of gave it a boost. Allowed many collaborators, like Red Hat, to um, to help build the technology. So uh, that was that was a, that was a pretty big as well. And again, time and luck always has a has an impact on technology adoption and success. And like I say, Java really kind of grew up with the the web and the internet. It was really the de facto language for building. Server-side applications, and um, you know, when Sun was, I guess, originally Sun was faced with a choice of do they do we do we focus on um, on the client side, um, you know, competing with I guess Adobe Flash at the time uh, with with servlets, or do we focus on the server side? Sun chose the server, you know, and and, that, that worked out pretty well, I think. So yeah, kind of quick, uh, quick summary of of some of the factors that really uh, have made Java a long term
0: success. So I know Java first started out at Sun in 96, and a lot of progress around it happened there, like um, the JVM being open sourced back in 2006. How did um, Oracle acquiring them impact Java?
1: Yeah, good good question. I and I do have a little bit of bias because I did work for Sun Microsystems for ten years. <laughs> um, you know, at, at the time, Sun, when when Sun owned Java, they were not really under um, any pressure to really make direct money from Java. Um, you know, it, it was seen as a, a as a way to move the workloads to you know, Sun's. Hardware and operating system, um, so no, no kind of um, yeah. W- w- while it was a standalone business, um, yeah, there, there were no kind of m- really significant um, revenue aspirations for it. Um, so they treated it very, very differently than than Oracle, who are you clearly um, a little bit more mercenary. Um, Sun had a fairly kind of open approach to providing developers you know, free access to the JVM uh, would support Java for for you know, uh, four or five years without yeah, necessarily buying support from anybody. Um, because some were really really just um, yeah, the main focus was trying to get make Java ubiquitous, which I would say they achieved with the open sourcing that helped um when Oracle over I I think in terms of you know the innovation yeah that that certainly didn't slow down it's still still um cranking ahead um we're still getting cool features in java it's um you know many of the original design kind of elements of java things like the compatibility and the ability to run anywhere still hold true today so a lot of the kind of you know core Java capabilities are still there, and you know Oracle have, have continued with that. Um, what I have done though is is you know, put a little bit more pressure on users to um, you know find somebody to uh, support their use of Java commercially, whether it's uh, oracle or, or or other vendors. so there's, there's no no more kind of free uh, free lunch uh, using Java. Unless, unless you're purely a developer, then it's still obviously free. But if you need um, your long-term support for a particular version of the JVM um, with a new release model for, uh, that was changed a few years ago, you basically got to cough up money. So that, that that was the kind of one of the major changes I think you know, was seen a little bit negatively in the market. But uh, yeah, in terms of innovation and and how they manage um, yeah you know, the the open source project. It's, it's pretty much continued uh, uh, as it did under um, Mark systems.
0: I know another major change was um, a few years back when Oracle changed Java's release schedule so that there would be major releases twice a year rather than once every few years. How has that change impacted the Java community and the language itself?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think a whole moving to the LTS model re- releasing um, Smaller changes more frequently is a good thing. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a a kind of modern software best practice um, versus the you know wait three or four years for a major release and you get a ton of new features. Um, I I think it does take some getting used to um, with this the the um, the new release cadence and the new release model. Um, Yeah, there's lots of change coming pretty much on a constant basis. With the uh, uh, JDK updates, uh, you yeah, fairly frequent, and you know, customers really do need, a, a, yeah, enterprise users, you know, people who are running serious applications on Java, really do need to understand that only the LTS, the long-term supportable uh, versions, are what they should be ultimately deploying on, um, unless they're willing to, uh, you know, change as rapidly as the JDK releases. So, yeah, I think it initially. uh, You know, people had to adapt and be and really understand the roadmap and understand um, where they should be deploying long term. Um, But I think, you know, after a couple of years, I I think people kind of get it. It's a, the the LTS model is fairly common with other technologies like Node.js. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 um, it is a good model. And I think by and large, the the Java community has adopted it. The, uh, again, the the only kind of negative um, uh, side effect of that new new release model is, um, uh, along with the changes around the life cycle, is unless you're willing to um, move very, very rapidly and update your JDK uh, in line with the upstream OpenJDK, you you probably are gonna wanna um, get commercial support and a longer life cycle from a, from a vendor
0: were there any other major things that happened in Java's lifetime that majorly impacted the language
1: yeah i think the open sourcing which was what 12 13 years ago that was that was a pretty major big deal you know some, some microsystems originally committed to do that and it was it was fully open sourced in um well while, while part of Oracle, um, so they did follow through with it. You know, there were definitely some kind of i mean open sourcing a, a a massive code base a sophisticated code base like java is is a big deal um, while still ensuring we have things like compatibility and portability um so you know they didn't necessarily always get everything right but I think they've done a pretty decent job um know, red hat a has has been a a a member and a contributor to the Open JDK community since day one. And you know, we, we work well with, with Oracle and many of the other vendors who are part of that community. And it's um it's working pretty well. Um, again, it was a it was pretty ambitious to take such a, a huge complex code base and yeah, make it truly open like that. So that, that was a big deal. And I I would say if, you know Java may not have been as successful as it is now. If um, if that hadn't happened, um, I think the other the other kind of major um, event was around the use of Java and Android. Obviously, that gave um, Java a pretty huge boost in its in its teenage years. They all of a sudden had lots more Java developers. Um, your developers learning Java because they wanted to the code Android applications. So yeah. That really kind of created a much uh, you know, kept kept the ecosystem growing at a time when you know, probably would have flattened out. So I think if you if you would have removed those two events, the open sourcing and the use of Java and Android, um, yeah, we could be having a different conversation right now.
0: So obviously, the language has come a long way over the past twenty five years. Do you have any predictions for what the future holds for Java?
1: Yeah, um, you know. I, don't recall who said it, but um, the best way of predicting the future is uh, is create it. And one thing we're doing at Red Hat and have been really pushing for over the last three or four years is ensuring that Java you know, remains competitive in in this new kind of cloud native landscape we find ourselves in. You know the um, when Java was originally designed compared to today are you know very, very different environments. The way people build software, the architectures they use, the tools they use are radically different from what we had well, even 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, we, we've been investing, you yeah, know, we, we're uh, obviously um, our whole business is around the open hybrid cloud and you're know, building, helping customers build cloud native applications across cloud providers, across data centers. Um, so we have a we have deep roots in Kubernetes and the whole Kubernetes container ecosystem. We have a lot of knowledge of what it takes to be able to run well in those environments using these, these modern development techniques. So we put a lot of work into a project we call Quarkus, which really kind of encapsulates all of our thinking around you know, what Java needs to be to ensure that it still is the the, the, the choice for enterprises, as they build out their next generation of application. So, you know, looking at um, the environment we run in, um, you know, you, you can no longer assume you're getting getting a whole machine to run your application on. If you're lucky, you'll get a slice of a slice of a virtual machine. Um, and, you know, the the, the the kind of fabric that you're deploying to, you um, is 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 pretty transient right it, it can scale up and scale down nodes can go offline and come back online. So this this you know we're, we're, we're live in a very very different world. so you have know, things like memory footprint, startup time these things are, are super important and yeah you know, Java because this was never its kind of design center um yeah that, that's never been, been a strength. So we put lots of effort into Quarkus to ensure. We can start up in in milliseconds. Um, We push push a lot of the configuration and initialization into the compile time, so it's only done once, and not done every time you start up. Um, um, what, What that also allows us to do, we can run Java workloads in a really small footprint, and that means we can run more. We can run more Java. We can run more JVMs, and we can get better concurrency and better throughput as well. Um, yeah, the way we um, build applications has really kind of been flipped on its head. Uh, the idea of you know, standing up an application server and deploying lots of different applications to it um, that doesn't really fit with today's world. What we're doing is we're we're we're, we're um, uh, we have applications, and we we build the infrastructure around our applications. Uh, we, we compile whatever um, libraries and you know kind of helpers we need into our application. Uh, we're building that into a container, and we're deploying that. Uh, a lot of the really really cool stuff Java done around dynamic class loading and configuration um, are really not used in that, that world, and they they come at a pretty high cost. So you know. Uh, 10 years ago, if I wanted to make a change to an app, you know, my my uh, change to my application, um, the application server would continue running because it's still you know, servicing other apps. I would change my application or the configuration and through some some real kind of dynamic magic in the JVM, I could reload my my application with a new version and keep running. Um, but that comes at a real big, you know, heavy cost. Um, in today's world, if I need to make a change to my microservice, um, I, I go build a new service from scratch, build the container image and with all its dependencies. I kill the old one and I restart the new pod in my in my uh, my cluster. So the idea of doing all this you know, wonderful dynamic stuff is just no longer needed. Yeah, Java's also, also yeah, the, the hotspots done some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, it, can, it can really adapt to the you know, environment it's running in. It can you know, tune itself over time to some pretty amazing things. But in a world of, you know, microservices that may only run for a few, you know, minutes before they get uh, recycled, or in a world of function as a service where my function may only last for a few milliseconds, um, all of that amazing, you know, <laughs> um preemptive tuning and you know, dynamic configuration is just not needed. So yeah, we, we can we can kind of remove a lot of that stuff. So we know the footprint and um you know the kind of memory utilization and the startup time to make your applications, your microservices, I guess, or your functions, um super small and and, and competitive with smaller, lighter languages like Node.js or Golang. So you know caucus that's where we're investing. That's where we think the future of Java is for you know enterprises building, uh applications, microservices, functions of service.